Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality. We're back for part two of the Glowing in Tech podcast. Sponsored by Makers. We're still joined by Stephanie Itami. And we last week we spoke about cybersecurity. We spoke about some scary data breaches. What else did we speak about? Stephanie nearly getting hacked herself. Yeah, I didn't even get into me getting hacked, but that's a whole other story. That might need to be in the tech team. Yeah, that might have to be in the tech team. <laughs> it's time to talk to Stephanie about her biggest career challenge and how you overcame it. So Steph, you take it away. Oh, my biggest career challenge. Okay, I'm going to keep it very vague and I'm not going to say where I was working. Um, but I think it was, there was a particular role that I, I felt like it was sucking my confidence. Mm -hmm. um, and I think it's one of the things that sometimes we face as women or women from minority groups is that microaggression. But with this particular one, it was very, very tiny that I almost couldn't pick that it was microaggression. So um, I would do reports and my manager would be um, saying, oh, but this this isn't clear. I'm like, what do you mean? Like I'm creating circles. This is 90%, this is 10%. But have you done the circumference of it? Of the circle? Yes, have you done the circumference of the circle? And I'm like, okay. So now I'm having to work twice as hard yeah. to make sure everything is perfect to make sure that my manager doesn't pick the slightest thing. Mm -hmm. And I would say one thing I learned from my mentor, Basola, absolutely love her. She was my mentor, my first job, and basically saved me um, in many ways. And she always told me that when you're working, always write down what you're doing and always have a peer review form that every time you work with anybody, you give them the form to fill oh, please give me a feedback. How did you think I did with us Ooh. working together? And I always do that. And then I'll have a pile so that when it comes to performance management, it shows that I've done X, Y, and Z. I'm a good team player. These are my peer reviews that I already have collected during the year. Um, and she said that that's a great way to survive the workplace because you're always able to advocate for what you've done. It's also good for job interviews because it allows you to kind of think, chronologically okay these are my accomplishments um and that's always been my saving grace and even understanding like okay maybe someone says you need to be a better team player find a way around it mm -hmm. um so with this particular role i was burning myself out mm -hmm. trying to be perfect but also um i remember when it was time for my performance review and i you know i had all my prayer reviews i was great with the team um and because I decided to go to Nigeria 
for a holiday and came back. My manager used the excuse that because I left for Nigeria, I had, um, he had to pick up um, one piece of my work. And because of that, he can't give me my full kind of um, rating huh? for my performance review. Wow. I have oh, to reduce no it. Um, and that experience taught me, I think if anything, it motivated me with City a lot because I was like, this is something that women have to go through in one way or another at different stages in their career, especially if they're working with a manager that they just don't see eye to eye. And I was like, if I stay here, I'm going to have my confidence chip away. Mm. And I think why that moment was life-changing was I was having conversations with other of my friends and hearing their experiences at the workplace and how this kind of merges into different scenarios made me think that actually this is an issue and I need to use my my platform as a way of kind of like um, advocating against that. So, you know, one thing I always say is like, I want people to come in tech um, but I want you to survive in tech, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, and there are going to be different instances when you're going to have people um, try to belittle you or try to make you doubt yourself. Yeah. And you really have to fight against that. So I'll say that's my biggest, that was my biggest um, career change because for a minute I doubted myself. And if I didn't have the friends I had, if I didn't have the mentors that I have, I think I would have lost confidence within that role. And I think it's very important for women to, first of all, have a support network. I can't even stress the importance of having Mm. a support network. Um, And that's why I always support networks, communities within the workplace, during whether it's a babe network, some network, but I'm in a network because having that community is so important because you just, sometimes you just need someone to bounce ideas, not even to rant, but to bounce ideas with, to see, okay, maybe am I, am I overreacting? Can I see this from a different perspective? But also being clear on who you are and having that self-awareness. And I think, you know, sometimes people struggle with imposter syndrome because they just don't feel comfortable, but it's reminding yourself that actually, no, I'm good at what I'm doing. I do know what I am doing. Mm. And if I make a mistake, it's not the end of the world because I'm a human being, I'm not a robot. Absolutely. Um, And people make mistakes all the time, but the best thing is what can I do to learn from my mistakes? So I would say from that experience, it taught me many things. Um, It taught me that I can't let a job dictate how I feel about myself. Mm. It taught me that I need, you know, community. And community is not just a fancy word, but it's actually essential for my growth in my career, but also in my personal development. And that, and thirdly, I also need to speak up for myself. And that's Mm. one thing that I wish I did before I left that role. Mm -hmm. I wish I spoke more for myself and I stood up. Um, And I think that there's a fear sometimes, like, oh, I don't want to rock the boat. Um, I don't want to, like, you know, come across as... But I've realized that either way, people are going to assume what they assume, either way you act. And I think the best thing is thinking, in the moment, how do I make sure that I'm ethically standing up for myself? And I say ethically because you don't want to, you know, stand up for yourself by being mean to people. But you're 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 doing it in a way that's respectful, but also letting people know that this is my boundary. You yeah. know, I understand your perspective on my work. Give me constructive feedback to see how I can improve. Um, and also letting them know that I don't appreciate this particular tone. Is it a way we can have a conversation? Um, I want to make sure that there's no bad blood between us and things like that. So mm-hmm. I do think, you know, now that I'm not in a workplace, it, <laughs> I don't have to deal with so much um, corporate 
maneuvers mm. but i do think for people still in that stage in their life i think it's very important to have that self-confidence within yourself and to have that self-awareness and to be open to criticism i mean none of us are perfect um but make sure that whatever feedback you're getting is one that is done with respect i always say you don't have to like people you're working with but everybody needs to respect who they're working with and that respect should also come to you as well mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. no and i think it's really important that you mentioned the the kind of pivotal moment for you recognizing that it their criticism of you was not reflective of your abilities mm. and people can criticize beyond what is actually like reality and in a way that is it with the intention of like bringing you down and kind of yeah i think it's 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 great that you mentioned kind of taking feedback on board and getting peer reviews frequently but then also there are sometimes that the criticism isn't always warranted and can be with with like malicious intent and that is when you need to advocate for yourself. For sure, you have to be an expert of yourself. Mm-hmm. You know, people can guide you, they can give you advice, but you have to be an expert for yourself. And I think it's having that quiet confidence um, mm. within yourself. Um, and it takes time, you know. Yeah. I think I was able to get to that point from conversations I had, reflection of my own self, and just realizing that actually, no, I'm good at what I do. Yeah. Yes. Um, but just realizing that, okay, I'm good at what I do. I love this particular role. I think that was my favorite role, but I don't like this environment that I'm in. I need to move somewhere else. Um, and it's nothing um, bad about it. It's just understanding like what environment works for you and what environment doesn't work for you. Um, and being being comfortable with that, with that fact. Um, but like I said, community is important and self-awareness is important. And confidence comes over time. It's mm-hmm. not something that is built in a day. Um, some days you might still feel like, oh, I'm not doing things well. Mm-hmm. But that's fine. That's just the nature of life. Um, but it's understanding at the core that actually you're okay. And sometimes when you look back and see, okay, I've done this and this, and you, you know, you write down your accomplishments, it does give you that assurance that okay things are not too bad you know I may be out of my depth right now but I can always learn everybody started from somewhere mm-hmm. yeah exactly and I like the fact that you reframe it in the way that like everyone you don't essentially you don't have to have it all together mm-hmm. like you don't have to know everything and in those situations when someone's just nitpicking you and you feel like you have to be perfect they're almost creating an they're almost almost making you believe that unrealistic standard that you need to work towards like to know the circumference of a circle. Is it ever that serious? Like, <laughs> do you know what I mean? Stuff like that. And sometimes we can internalize those beliefs that, oh, like for me to succeed in the workplace, I can't get anything wrong, mm. which is only damaging to our mental health because this is what I like to talk about, the importance of psychological safety. Mm. Because in those instances, one, it's just like you can burn yourself out as we spoke about before, but also it's just, oh gosh I'm going on a tangent here because I'm just so like ah <laughs> it just drives me crazy when I hear just just this annoying feedback that that managers can do and the damage they the can damage have. it yeah. causes yeah and especially when it because sometimes I feel like and this is my tech team by the way um <laughs> sometimes I feel like should I be advocating for women to step into this space knowing how challenging it can be for us in these kind of environments. Yeah. Um, yeah, I know, isn't it? So, ooh. <laughs> no, but that, that is yeah. my tech tea as well. Because there was a time where I was like, I felt like a fraud. Because I'm like, I'm encouraging people to do what I'm doing, but I hate what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. You know, and it, it, it really, it got to a point where I was like, oh my gosh, I, I can't do any more speaking. I can't encourage because I'll feel like I'm a fraud. Um, But it's, it's taking a step back and saying, okay, what do I actually do? What do I like? What do I want to do? What do I like in this space? Um, 
and understanding, okay, with that psycholo- psychology, even with Sadia, it's like companies that we work with, we, we you have to go for a diversity and inclusion training. I have to understand, okay, what's, what's your policy on it? Even mm. when you are trying to advertise a job on our website, there are questions on how many people in your team, what's the diversity level currently? Mm. Because all these things takes place. And I think with that kind of due diligence and I think care every company needs to have a due diligence um and every company needs to have when they talk about for example if there's an issue of discrimination at work what is the process you know who deals with that do you have a committee for that is the committee external to the managers Mm. you know things like that need to take in place if we're going to talk about diversity and inclusion there needs to be a seriousness about it. 100%. It's not a I'm doing this for fun or it's a checklist. These are people's lives. Yeah. yeah. You know, these this is because you understand that you're living in a global society and for you to have one of the best innovative, you know, solutions to whatever you're trying to solve as a company, you need diverse minds. And with people there's always going to be issues, you know, human beings, there's always going to be some conflict here and there. But how do you ensure that everybody's respected? How do you ensure that everybody's protected? And in the cases where people are vulnerable, especially those from minority groups, what is your duty of care as a company? And I think there is not a lot of conversation had on that duty of care. And I think that's where the problem is. I think when people talk about diversity and inclusion, it seems like a fancy marketing, but it's not. It's not It's not a marketing agenda. It is a... It's something that's needed to protect those in your workplace and to ensure that everybody in your workplace is heard, seen, and respected. Mm. Um, and I just feel like I hope we get to a place and I hope that it doesn't, especially now with the whole cuts and it's interesting seeing where some of the cuts are going to, yeah. diversity yes. inclusion teams. Um, we're, we're seeing it, you know? And it, it does make me wonder as a company, how serious are you really about this particular topic? But I do think it's just a duty of care. And I think the framing of diversity inclusion needs to be changed from a fancy word to, this is essential, this is everyday protection. Mm, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, diverse inclusion is for everybody. It's not just for minority groups. It's ensuring that everybody feels heard and respected. Yeah, exactly. And I think once, same way with security, is for everybody <laughs> diverse and inclusion and i think those two things need to work hand in hand so it is my favorite segment of the podcast what's the tech tea today stephanie will be telling us her controversial take of the tech industry so i'll take my comfort controversial take of the tech industry is that diverse inclusion is not a gimmick it's not mm-hmm. a joke mm-hmm. it's it's something that deals with people's real lives and it's not for minority groups it's for everybody i think when it then comes into the conversation of minority groups i think certain aspects majority group might feel like they are not really needed in the conversation or there's no really need for diversity and inclusion but it's like by us moving further down the line and you know creating equity in the workplace and yeah. and ensuring that everybody's heard and respected i'm not just trying to protect myself i'm protecting you in the process it's an everybody thing um and i think also i think there's too much focus on diversity not enough focus on inclusion mm. um and inclusion is where the where the where the main kind of hard work on diversity inclusion really comes in because it's not just about changing your ads and having people from different backgrounds in your ads (laughs) you know it's not about using certain groups for props yeah but it's about using you know your platform to ensure that 
you're creating equity, you're creating a safe space, you're having a duty of a care as a company where everybody's respected and heard. And in cases where a particular party, regardless of the agenda, of their race, of their neurodivergent, whatever makes them different, that they're respected and they're heard. And that in a case where they don't feel respected, there are procedures that actually protect them. Mm-hmm. And I think that's where we're having a miss. And unfortunately, I think it's going to get worse because we're already seeing issues of unions. Yeah. yeah. You know, conversations around unions, conversations about certain groups, certain people feeling that, you know, tech has been kind of this free fun ride for certain groups and now we're going to take power and then the cuts are happening and the benefits being slowly taken away mm-hmm. i do think things are going to get worse before they get better mm-hmm. um and it's a shame but i do think that there's a resilience and i do think that there's going to be more innovation to combat to what is kind of we're seeing a decline in so hopefully things gets worse and then gets better um but i do i am hopeful that in the next 20 years things will change and i say 20 years to give it time yeah um at least let's you know come up uh, come out of a recession <laughs> but um my my fear is that things you know conversations and diversity and inclusion is not going to be seen as a fun topic anymore it's not going to be seen as a trendy topic anymore yeah and when that happens what what then happens to those who are the most vulnerable yeah, and those exactly. are those are issues that you know ring around my mind especially working in this space is okay i'm trying to get people in this industry but i hope this industry is going to be good to the people i'm trying to encourage to get in um so it's really a slippery slope but all i can do and i guess what people can do is just to be hopeful that things will get better and that hopefully companies will understand the importance and you know what even baffles me with everything is what we're really discussing is a fair workplace. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. It's labor practices. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> it's having labor practices that are fair for everybody. Yeah. You know, you would think that you're asking for money or extra, you know, it's just ensuring equity and is getting people to challenge themselves and challenge their biases and seeing how harmful those biases can be in creating opportunities because. It might be seen as a little thing, but it can affect groups. It can affect, mm. you know, we see with social economics on who who gets, who earns the highest, who earns the lowest. Mm. You know, we even see when it comes to health, but that's another conversation of someone else who's probably an expert in it. But it's it's a real thing and it affects people's lives on a day-to-day basis. And I don't think, I think that's where it's a miss. I think everybody sees it as this like theoretical, critical race theory kind of conversation type of thing but no this is real life um and i think if people can actually see the real life repercussions yeah exactly of not investing in diversity inclusion and having unfair labor practices and how it can impact your business your profits then hopefully people would be able to take it seriously that's my that's my hope and i guess yeah. that's my key yeah <laughs> honestly it's such a shame that like dni is seen as such a chore as well so like when for some people like when they see that there's a workshop or a session on it it's like roll their eyes like, i can't be bothered to do this or why are we still doing this and i think because it takes a huge amount of effort to even come to terms with your unconscious bias it's an uncomfortable experience and nobody wants to admit it yeah no one wants to admit it and it's just like we all have it i have it you have it you have it like we all have it but it's just about 
even addressing that it's there and admitting, okay, that there's some kind of unconscious bias that I have. And the thing is with these workshops, it's always for like encouraging you, not say force, but like encouraging you to look at them and see how you may be projecting that in a way that's unconscious. I think that's something like 90, at least 90% of our actions are unconscious. And, be, and that's why like, you can do things like microaggressions and all these things that make people feel excluded without being, it doesn't mean you're a horrible person, that like you may not even realize that, oh, I can't touch your hair. <laughs> like, yeah, or like yeah. I kind of just wanted to talk about, you know, like beers with the lads and the girls here. And I don't really want to like accommodate for that. Like yeah. you, you may not be consciously doing it and it's unconscious. And I recognize how hard it is to unlearn it, but it's like, it affects us on such a deep level. Mm. Like what upset me about, and what was good about 2020 was, I was like, this is my time people, let's be honest. I was like, people are really um, having more of an awareness of black issues now. And I loved it because we're having tough conversations that I would bring up pre-2020 pre and no, everyone was looking at me a bit crazy. Yeah, yeah, And it's like 2020 now that they're really, it's, it felt like people are really listening. Mm. But the problem with that was, one, the idea of tokenization, but two, the the emphasis on, oh, we need to just get them in rather exactly. than like, exactly. how are we going to incorporate inclusive practices, um, psychological safety, and make sure that we retain the diverse talent that we've, we've sought off, like we've invested, like we just threw money at the problem, but how have you changed um, the culture internally to accommodate for these new people to get into the organization yeah. and not just be there, but thrive in that organization as well? For sure. I think to be fair, before companies need start thinking about diversity, you need to think about inclusion first. Exactly. Yeah. And I think yeah. that's, that's the order is diversity, then inclusion. I think it should be inclusion and diversity. Exactly. Um, And I think by viewing it that way is understanding your culture and, you know, a lot of companies say, do you understand our culture? And I don't think a lot of companies even understand their culture. No. Yeah, no. Um, Especially in the interview process. They be saying anything. <laughs> because, like, the, the thing about the culture is every department, it, like, within a company can have different cultures. Yeah. Exactly. You know what I mean? Um, and I think, you know, fair to all, especially a lot of startups, when you start a company, you have the best of intentions. Yeah. But as it grows, it really becomes out of your hands. Mm. So I'm not even going to blame like CEOs, you know, people I'm blaming are the mid managers mm. because they are the ones who are cultivating these cultures. Mm. Um, so it's not saying that, oh, as a company, we have a culture, but even doing a culture audit, you know, what is the culture like within the different teams? What are different personality types within the teams? Because and then that can allow you to see, okay, maybe we might need to do more integration. Maybe we need to do more company work as a whole to kind mm. of rehash what the culture is. Yeah. Because you hear culture, or do you understand a company culture? It's like, okay, what is the company culture? Yeah, it can be too vague for people to understand, right? You know, it's too vague for people to understand. And I think also because a lot of companies are focused on profits, investment yeah. seed rounds yeah. there is very little focus on trying to even think about culture because you're thinking about the next step the mm -hmm. next goal mm -hmm. um the next tick box or the next momentum within the company's growth and i do think that that's where the risk comes especially companies scaling 
that's when you need to start thinking about culture. Yeah. Because that's where the critical moment comes. In the beginning, it's nice. If there's about 5, 10, 50, 20 people, mm. it's easy for you to create a culture. But what happens when it's 100 people? Yeah. It gets a little bit difficult. Yeah. Um, so definitely a culture audit is always needed. Um, and even thinking about when you're collecting surveys, because, you know, this is when research then comes in. Are they helpful? Because sometimes you see in services asking for your ethnicity. But if you're the only yeah. person in a minority group, yeah. or even a sexual orientation within a, a, yeah. a, a team, it's going to be obvious who you are. Yeah. So I think anonymized surveys need to come back. Mm-hmm. You can have one just to see what the different... Um, and to be fair, you should already have those stats when you're employing somebody. Yeah. But in regards to surveys, I do think those need to be anonymous. And I also do think that maybe sometimes, you know, maybe a, a manager from another team can come and kind of, you know, see what's going on. Just just different stuff like that. But definitely conversations need to be had around culture. Conversations need to be had around inclusion practices. And what is inclusion practices? Are? What are they? It's understanding, okay, what is your onboarding process like? Is somebody onboarded properly into the team or are they kind of expected to hit the ground running? Mm. That's one thing to think about. Another thing is when they have joined the team, do they have a mentor, mentee, somebody to kind of like show them the ropes? Because it's a whole new organization. The person may not understand. There might be different, you know, things that or kind of nuances that they might miss. And I say it because I mean, when I first started working, my mentor and I kind of seeked her out because we're the same team. And I was like, oh, you're my mentor now. Mm-hmm. Um, but she was so helpful because she was looking at my emails and she was like, this, this email is too long. She was like, go straight to the point. Why are you saying, mm-hmm. hi, hello, how are you? <laughs> are you feeling? The person doesn't care about the day, go straight to the point. Mm-hmm. But even having someone that I can go to to ask those questions was so helpful. Yeah. So I think in that onboarding process, always have a mentor where the mentor is supposed to like help the person integrate into the culture of the company and then do reviews you know let them have like meetings with their managers but also have somebody outside of their management team or even outside of the department that they can converse with that's a super healthy way of kind of integrating the person and then having strict disciplinary actions for when discrimination does occur and be very clear and defined on what discrimination is because it's very hard to prove discrimination but if you have case studies example context it then makes it easier for the person to say okay in this scenario i experienced this type of discrimination Mm. i want to put it forward but it's the company has to understand what discrimination is because if it's so vague how are you able to solve something or to create or safeguard something that you don't even know yourself yeah 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 and i think that is a really great point to end on it's like it's a continuous piece of work it's not a once and done and your your culture issues are solved forever it's like by having those surveys and repeated cadence, making sure that you're iterating on the processes that you've put in place and making it a better place for everybody. And DNI work should never be free. No, <laughs> no, never. Never be free. <laughs> okay. Yeah, it's a lot of work. <laughs> cool. I think that's, that's all we've around. got time for today. But thank you so much, Stephanie, for coming on the show. Really lovely to have you. Um, I'd love to ask for the people who are listening and watching, where can we keep up with you? Um, I think right now on LinkedIn, um, Stephanie to me at LinkedIn. Feel free to connect with me there. And your company? Oh, and Sadia. <laughs> <laughs> that would be a yeah. Um, So Sadia is S E 
ida.org. We're also Sadia SI at on Instagram and Twitter. We're also on Facebook as well. So feel free to connect us on those. And also feel free to join our newsletter, which is on our website. Fantastic. Thank you. So if you enjoyed this episode, let us know. Send us a cheeky email at hello at glowingintech.co.uk. Or you can tweet us. Or you can tweet us at glowingintech. Or you can message us on Instagram at glowingintech. Or you can make a TikTok <laughs> and tag us at glowingintech. Be sure to tell everyone about it. Tell your mum, your friends, your nan, your cousin, um, the person that you just ran into at co-op. I don't know. But just shout it out. Spread the word. <laughs> Thanks so much. And thank you for listening. <laughs> Available on all major podcast platforms.